0: Hello, hello, and what is up, teachers? Hope everyone's well. In today's episode, we're going to talk about five mistakes made by new teachers and how to avoid them. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive right in. The first mistake made by new teachers is that you rush to sanction. Is that you rush to sanction. Now, here's what I mean by that. Now, let's say a kid's talking. You might say, seen you talking, first warning, tick on the board. And then immediately afterwards, right, you're talking again, second warning, tick. Now, we all know, because most more, than, more likely than not, you've got some policy which requires uh, three warnings to be given before a sanction. Now, obviously, you have to follow school policy, and no one's telling you not to do that. But you might want to relax it a bit in the sense of, let's say you see a kid talking the first time, don't go to a warning straight away, okay? Don't go to a warning straight away. So you might want to say, okay, look, you need to calm down now. Just say it that way. Then if you see them the second time, say, look, I've told you once, I'm going to have to give you a warning the second time. Generally speaking, by not rushing to sanction, you're going to make your life a lot easier because all these detentions, all this kind of thing, you have to chase that up. And also, again, generally speaking, your relationship with your class will be a lot better if you're not setting lots and lots of detentions. One final point on this is that it's never a good idea to be dependent on the behaviour system. Have a listen of the episode titled Before You Set a Detention, for the ins and outs of that. The second mistake made by new teachers is that you don't let your students struggle with a task. You don't let your pupils struggle with a task. Now, here's what I mean. Often what will happen is, you'll give the kids a task to do um, and you'll see them struggling slightly, okay? And then you'll quickly run in and try and help them. Now, what you should do is let them struggle for a bit because that's essentially how learning is done. I think what happens is when you're a new teacher, there's always this need to be doing something. I'm the teacher, I have to explain it. It's like, okay, you're right, but you know what? Just just be patient for that couple of minutes or whatever and, and let them struggle through that task. Don't just run in there and try and help them straight away. And even when you do decide to help them, do it in stages. So if they're doing some complex problem or something like that, for example, you might say, okay, well, what am I gonna, what's the first step? Don't explain all four steps to them there and then. say, so Ask them, what's the first step? Okay, we've done this now. What is the second step? Etc. Etc. Try and get as much out of them as you can before you start doing the explaining. And at this point, I just want to say that none of these mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, if we want to call them mistakes, they're nothing to be ashamed of, okay? We've all been there. I know this because I've done these and I've seen t- uh, trainee teachers do them. So hand on heart, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. But obviously you want to get better, right? third mistake made by new teachers is that you ignore small misbehaviors. You either ignore them or you don't see them. Because what happens is this, often because you've planned your lesson in a lot of detail and you've spent a long time planning it, if something then comes to kind of take you off your plan while you're delivering that lesson, so for example low level disruption, You might end up ignoring that because you think, well, no, I've planned my lesson, so I'm going to continue with my lesson regardless. Here's an example. Let's say you plan to spend five minutes explaining photosynthesis to your class. And during that five minutes, you can see there's a couple of kids just whispering to each other, one kid with his head down at the back, a couple of kids staring out the window, etc, etc. Now, there's a good chance that you probably have registered that in some way, but you're thinking to yourself, I've got to get this done because I've got to get through my lesson plan. And if I don't go through my lesson plan, kids aren't going to learn and I'm going to get bad feedback, that kind of thing. The way to avoid this then is to never prioritize your lesson plan over what is going on in the lesson. Don't prioritize your planning over what is going on in the lesson. So in this case, yeah, you may have planned to, to explain photosynthesis in five minutes, right? But if the kids are not listening to you and it has to take 10 minutes, then just take the 10 minutes, okay? Don't be afraid to detract from your plan. Yeah, you spent a long time planning and yeah, it's not gonna go the way you wanted it to. But ultimately, if kids are not engaging like they, were in, like they weren't in this example, then they're not gonna learn anyway. So you're gonna have to go back and revisit stuff. So it's better to get it right the first time. In addition to that, you'll never get negative feedback for not sticking to your plan for the reasons that we just discussed. That will never happen anyway. You're not doing anything wrong by stopping your lesson, making sure kids are listening, repeating your explanations. That's the way it's meant to be done. Look, in teaching, the best thing you can be is pragmatic. You do what works and you have to be willing to change and adapt to any given situation. The fourth mistake made by new teachers is that you don't break down complex concepts enough. You don't break down complex concepts sufficiently. There's a tendency for new teachers to kind of overestimate students' cognitive load. They overestimate the students' cognitive load. So a teacher might start explaining something, which to them is obviously quite simple, but to the pupils, it's more complex. And the teacher won't realize that the students haven't understood until they assess them formally or informally. You are better off giving short, simple explanations and assessing the kid's knowledge at every stage of your explanation. Keep your sentences short, where possible at least, and don't be afraid to repeat yourself. So let's say there's some concepts which can be broken down into three different points, okay? Explain the first point, then do some sort of AFL. So have your mini whiteboards or whatever you decide, have that ready to make sure everybody gets the first point at least. Then move on to the second one, do the same thing again. Then the third one, do the same thing again, and then have something that brings everything together. And of course, not everything is that formulaic, but I'm sure you take the point. You're better off underestimating than overestimating your pupil's cognitive loads. The fifth mistake made by new teachers is that you're not using your voice effectively. To be effective as a teacher, one of the things you need to work on is your intonation. And by intonation, what I'm essentially referring to is... Your voice should convey your intention. Your voice, your tone of voice, and the volume of voice, all of that should convey your intention. So here's an example. When you're giving an explanation from the front of the room, it should sound very different to say when the class are off task and you're trying to get them back on task. So for example, the class are off task, I can see them talking, Um, and they're not really fully engaging with the work, I might say, all right guys, quick, come on, let's go, let's go, back on task, please, five minutes left. Right? And you can see there or hear there, right from the tone of my voice that I've created a sense of urgency, for example. But when I would have been standing at the front explaining a concept to them, my voice would be lacking that sense of urgency. Um, It wouldn't be as loud. And essentially, my intention would be clear from the way I'm speaking. Now you might think, well, this is obvious. Every time you observe a teacher you can see exactly what they're doing or hear exactly what they're doing they're using their voice in a very specific way to elicit a specific response from the students when they're being when they want the students to get serious the teacher's be, the teacher's tone becomes serious when they're encouraging students or when they're rewarding students or you know they might just be being playful whatever response they want to elicit is always in their tone of voice thing is though this is not second nature to everybody so for some teachers, they can do this automatically. Other teachers either don't do it and their jobs have become more difficult or they have to practice. And that's something I recommend you do, particularly if it doesn't come naturally to you. So be theatrical. Imagine you are on, in some play on stage, okay? Walk around your apartment practicing your phrases. You know, exactly what you're gonna say if, if a kid's talking over you or what you're gonna say when a child's done really well whatever it is, practice in your own time. I'm serious. Pretend it's a movie and you're an actor rehearsing their lines. Now, I've got no research or anything to prove this, but I can assure you that a teacher's intonation makes a massive difference to student engagement and therefore student learning. It'll also make your life a lot easier. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you found that helpful. Do check out my books on Amazon, the unofficial teacher's manual, what they don't teach you in training, and teaching for realists, making the education system work for you you and your pupils. Take care.